All right, everybody. So thank you so much for participating in our Mentorship Monday through our Teacher Leader Consortium. My name is Tom Miller from Leaders Building Leaders. And so if you're just joining us for the first time, uh, welcome. And uh, whether you're on, on the call live with us or listening through archive, uh, thank you. Thank you so much for being a part of our program and, and uh, our teacher leader and our school leader communities uh, making a big difference across the state. So um, the, first, the first step uh, in, in uh, leadership is understanding that self-leadership is the most important piece, right? If you can't lead yourself, no one's ever gonna follow you. And so uh, that's what we were just uh, talking about a second ago. Uh, Shannon Hardy from Explorers Middle School was sharing about her disc uh, profile and how that's really helped her and her team better uh, communicate. So if you haven't taken your disc profile yet and you're brand new to, the, to our cohort, please do. And, um, and we're gonna go over that during your first uh, session. So two schools that you have an opportunity uh, to attend to. Uh, one is the Expedition School, uh, which is in Hillsboro, North Carolina. It's a K-8 experiential learning school. Um, incredible results, great team, great uh, collaboration with really looking to make a, a, a significant impact um, on, on the Hillsborough community. And, uh, or you can go to Pine Lake Prep, uh, which is a K-12 college prep charter school out there, uh, right outside Charlotte in uh, Mooresville. So whether or not you are an alumni from our teacher leader um, academy and consortium, or you're brand new, you can go to any of the training. So it's just a reminder, just ask your principal, hey, can I get a half day or a full day? And you can come out to these schools and bring back those better and best practices and uh, network with other um, teacher leaders from across the state. So it's really exciting to have, I think we have our 12th and 13th schools just signed up today uh, for this year. And this is great, you know, the goal being 100 schools, it'd be awesome to have 100 charter schools uh, or traditional schools or private schools across the state uh, networking and working with, with each other. Any thoughts or questions? I see my uh, teaching partner is on the call. Katie, you got any thoughts or comments? I'm not sure if you're able to, to share with us. No, just happy to join and I'm glad to see folks on the call and eager for the next cohort to get started. I wish I would have had an opportunity to develop as a leader when I was a teacher. So I'm so excited to, to be a part of making this open to, to all the, the teacher leaders out there. Yeah, and I think one of the biggest keys, thanks, Katie, is that uh, we just shared this. We, Katie and I got a chance to speak at the Fresh Take Conference, uh, which is out in um, uh, uh, Davidson, uh, North Carolina, and hosted by the Community School of Davidson. And uh, if you ever have a chance, that's the best for teachers, by teachers conference I've ever been to. Uh, but one thing that we had shared about, you know, when you, when you are a teacher, uh, it's hard to not to not think outside your four walls, right? I mean, you're, you're, you're just constantly focused on your students, but really the reason why this program was uh, birthed was uh, because of the struggles that I had when I was a teacher and I am observing in uh, schools, especially smaller charter schools, is that they need capacity in their teachers to think well outside their four walls and to understand that, yes, the adults impact the um, uh, students in the classroom, but they have a much greater impact on the adults in the building and the adults outside of the building uh, than, than you, know, you know, even a student some days. And that's really where we see the difference between good and great schools is the behavior 
and the ability of the adults to lead effectively. Because uh, that's what culture is. Culture is the sum of all the actions by all the people in the organization. Uh, so if the adults are not behaving effectively <laughs> or amongst the core values, right? If values are just written on the wall, but they're not followed, that in a sense lowers, you know, the culture every time that, every time that you allow a behavior that doesn't meet the organization's values, you are diminishing you know, the culture you're uh, lowering, right? Just like running a speed limit sign. It's a unwritten rule <laughs> that, that apparently the speed limit is nine miles over what it says on the sign. But I don't know, ask a police officer. I'm not sure if we'll actually validate that. But that's, but that's in everybody's head. And that's what culture is. It's the sum of the actions and the behavior. So if everybody's going nine miles over the speed limit sign, oh my goodness, that's, that, is a, that is a recipe for a disaster. So the uh, teaching that I wanted to do today is something that has been um, really resonating with me, uh, and it's on empowerment and uh, delegation. And I prefer the word empowerment, but I just started reading John Maxwell's new book, which is called The Leader's Greatest Return. And he really made some interesting comments about the difference between empowerment and delegation is that to, in order to empower somebody, you have to have power, right? You have to have power and influence to be able to do it. And I was like, oh, wow. So it made sense like when, when leaders, when we talk to them about empower your people and develop your people, but if they are a positional leader, which is the lowest level of leadership, and the only reason that people are following them is because they like a paycheck, they don't have the ability to empower people, right? They're just telling people what to do, and those people will probably do it, to the lowest level of their capacity and to the least amount of time and effort you know, put into it. So it's a really, I mean, empowerment is a completely different word than it comes to uh, delegation. And, and so recently, um, Katie and I led a training that had uh, 20 principals in the room. And I just, I just put a, uh, like an index card out with this, um, with this uh, question. When I think about delegating, I worry about uh, blank, right? And so, so, the, so the principals just had to take their index or their, I guess it was like a sticky note, hey Katie, and they, and they just had to write their response, right? What do they worry about when they think about delegating? And I'm gonna, if you're watching, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share my screen here um, so you can see it, and if you're not watching, it's okay. Um, but I'm gonna share my screen here to, um, to the uh, show here, because I want to see some of these responses. It was really interesting to me uh, what, what the uh, principles wrote down. So, the, so the, it came under three themes, right? There was three categories with all their responses. And the first one was time management, right? So their first worry about you know, being done on time, or missing deadlines, or the job getting done, or being done in a timely manner, it getting done, completing the task on time. And these are direct quotes. So I just took them right from their uh, sticky note. So time management was, was the first category that had a, a concern. and actually had the smallest amount of responses. So being done on time, missing deadlines, the job getting done, being done in a timely manner. Okay, so all about time management. So I don't know if that's a surprise uh, to anybody. Now, the second response was about quality management. Okay, so this was being done correctly, lack of attention to detail, quality of work, completing the task correctly, being done right, 
the work being focused on the right things, loss of focus on the mission, capacity, follow through, consistency. Okay, so quality measures. So they're not only worried about getting it done on time, <laughs> but it, it getting done well. What is anybody out there? You guys have any thoughts on those first two? Like, these are principals talking about their their team, what they're you know what they're worried about. So any thoughts on on time management or uh, quality management so far? Well, it just strikes me that um, you know the like being done correctly, done right, you know correctly and right. That's really repeated here and mm -hmm. follow through exclamation mark. I just wonder that you know when I don't do something. I, it's also, it, it, oftentimes it's not because I'm not capable, it's that there's a lack of clarity, mm. you know, like I don't, I, I'm unclear about what the end goal is or, or what uh, the person is looking for, you know, so I, I'm just wondering if that's part of the issue. Okay, yeah, so that, so that could be, and I've, I have definitely suffered from this, as you know, uh, the lack of clarity in my head makes it difficult for, for me to communicate what it is I actually want, and therefore, I get so uh, behind that I can't even delegate it. Or if I delegate it, you know, the person I delegate it to doesn't have the time to do it, right? Well, right? So this is really this vicious cycle here. Um, what about any of the other leaders on the call? And again, we're talking about, because we just had a couple of people join us, to fill in the blank. When I think about delegating, I worry about, and the two categories we've talked about so far are time management, and quality management when it comes to the people that they're delegating to. I love that idea, you know, Katie, of maybe, you know, creating like a cycle, like a visual for that, right? Like, <laughs> here's, here's, here's part of the, you know, part of the problem is your lack of clarity creates a lack of communication, which therefore is the reason why you don't empower or, uh, or uh, delegate, right? And it, it creates all these things. So the third category, which had by far the most responses. So if you're looking at the screen, I had to keep the font really tiny for this one because there's so many. It's the perception of others. And I think this one blew me away the most. Okay, so this was the personal perception and the reaction of others. And so will it be done at least 75% of how I would do it? How will it be communicated to the stakeholders in a sense of, if I have someone else do my work, it makes me look weak. It makes me look like I'm not doing my job, right? Looking like a slacker was the next response. Or how much better will they do it than how I can do it? Done it, done it my way. Not having a say. Employees presenting in a negative tone. They won't have the background they need and I will end up doing it anyway. They won't ask for help even though they don't know what they're doing. Others not being happy with the results. Putting too much pressure or a burden on them. Or overloading others. This is a significant list. It's a significant list. And it really, when I think about this, I don't know what's going through your head, but uh, it's all about trust. <laughs> right? Just like Katie shared, it's not only trusting myself. Am I communicating it well? Do I have clarity? But it's trusting the people around me. Um, and we've said it, if you've been on any of our, you know, training, like your success is directly impacted by the people you surround yourself with. So I know I said those responses pretty quick, but the three categories were time management, 
okay? The quality management, so the quality of the work, so they're worried about it getting done on time, and then they're worried about it being good. And then the last thing that they're worried about is other people's perception of them empowering or delegating their workout. Any thoughts, in it, everybody? Hey, hey, Tom, it's Joan. Can you hear hey, me? Joan. We can hear you very well, Joan. Thanks, thanks for joining um, us. You're welcome. So one of the things that I think about when you look at perception, it's really, you've got to have confidence in yourself in order to not feel as if you'll be diminished. Mm. Um, and it's really, it, the focus shouldn't be on, it should be on ourself in terms of I've got to get myself right. Um, but the focus needs to be on the opportunities for building leadership in other people. And so you know, this perception, people are going to believe what they want to believe anyway. We can't control that. So what we can control is how we build that leadership uh, from within and how we value those individuals that we have on our team. Yeah, huge. Thanks, Joan. Absolutely. Yeah. Anybody else want to share? You know, I'm just looking at the second to last bullet, Tom. And it says putting too much pressure or a burden on them. Mm. What I think of that is that, that whenever I reached out to a teacher and said, Hey, you know, I could really use your help with this. They were excited about the opportunity. And, and then I'd say, okay, now if this is going to be too much or no, 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 no. You know? And, uh, and then sometimes they would say, well, yeah, I really have a lot going on. I'm like, well, what if we took this off your plate? Would you be able to do it? But they wanted that opportunity to grow. So I think that fear of not wanting to burden someone is really just a, a fear of letting go of some of that leadership, you know, some of the, you know, delegating, you know, yeah. that fear of delegation is involved. That's right. And, um, and again, that's that's really the reason for this uh, teacher leader program, right? Is is to is to give some trust and some training to the teachers, and also to teach the teachers how to empower and delegate. Because I'm pretty sure I've met a lot of teachers that have a hard time of letting of uh, you know letting go of some things, right? So it's not only you know principals who need to learn how to empower, but so do teachers. They need to learn how to you know to empower their peers and and also to their students and. And, and this is also a great uh, lesson in life, right? In your, in your community, in your home, and all those other aspects. But that putting too much pressure or a burden on them, is a, that's a really key um, thought, right? That's in someone's head, and I don't want to give them, well, they already work so hard. Well, you're already writing a story for them. Like, you're, all, you're already telling a story that they haven't even responded to before even asking them to do it. I mean, that's, you know, crazy. You are, you're giving someone, you are taking away, I'm sorry, you're taking away the right for someone else to help you, first of all, help the organization and, and to grow themselves. It's a very, very um, selfish way uh, to look at it. So I apologize to everybody that uh, I didn't empower or delegate to. I'm learning, I'm learning. So Trust and training. So those are the two. And remember, trust is the glue that holds leaders and followers together, right? We just did a lesson on it maybe a month or so ago about, you know, with our uh, building a cohesive team. I mean, trust is the foundation for everything. So, you know, many leaders and me being one of them really struggle with trusting the individuals to carry them out, even, even like the simplest, you know, parts of the organization. So, and, and then we justify this by saying, that we love being the doer, right? Or we don't want to burden others like, you know, Katie just shared, you know. We believe that 
you know, if you want to do it righteous, you know, do it yourself. That's, you know, kind of the, you know, mentality maybe that our mentors had had in us, right? That's what they had instilled in us. Um, but the truth is, like Joan had uh, pointed out, that we've not learned to trust our team or learn to trust ourselves. And we're not concentrating on being visionary, right? As we are focused on repairing what appears to be broken, right? If you've read the, the book E-Myth or you've heard, uh, this is why small businesses fails because the business owner just loves being a technician and they just love learning and they love being part of like the little tiny details all of a sudden, but their business is crumbling. I see charter school principals falling into the same trap is because your love for the organization, your, your love for what brought you into education gets worn down over time by the daily grind of leading a multi-million dollar enterprise, which is a charter school. So uh, it's really important that we move away from the technician and that you know teachers move away from being a technician. You really start helping out and being part um, of the broader picture and, and uh, you know, of the vision and really think well outside their four walls. And, and the four corners of the property of, of uh, the organization. So as a result of you know, being a technician, we spend countless hours working on unimportant tasks outside of the normal workday and, and losing credibility with our own people, but also credibility with those that we love the most, right? Because we're taking away maybe some of that time. Now, if you've ever uh, read or heard anything from John uh, John Wooden, he was probably the most successful college basketball coach of all time. Uh, he, he said this, I love this quote. He said, the man who puts the ball through the hoop has 10 hands. The man who puts the ball through the hoop has 10 hands, right? So it's about the, the other members of the team. It's his own two and the other four members of the team with other hands. Everybody needs to uh, contribute. So if you were to look at your organization and answer these three uh, questions, if your organization lost its top three leaders, what would happen? Okay, if your organization that you're in, no matter the role that you're in now, if it lost its top three leaders, what would happen? And it's important that we, that we think about leadership, not just from a title uh, position, right? Because leadership, that's the lowest level of leadership, honestly, is is the title, right? So when I say if your organization lost its top three leaders, that's influential leaders. So it could be a person in authority. It could be a very strong, you know, teacher leader, a board member, right? Whatever it is. If it lost its top three, what would happen? Question two is how quickly would you be able to fill their roles internally? And question three is how long would your organization maintain its current productivity? Right, so what impact would it have? And do you have succession plans? Like, are you constantly working on growing, right? So everybody in your organization, I mean, Shannon, you've been part of Explorers for more than 10, 10 years, and I'm sure it's probably longer. Um, you, you, you know, the, the you know, challenges of running a school like you all, uh, you know, lead at Explorers, this experiential, you know, global um, you know, organization in a sense, like there's a lot of succession planning happening. And really fortunately for explorers that a bulk of the teachers have been there for five to 10 years to uh, be able to do that. And if you're able to share, hop in about how you guys have been able to really make sure that you've kept the right people for a long time and, and you've built succession planning to uh, continue success. 
Um, I actually think that's, I'm not sure that we are. So <laughs> I've been there for 20 years and we actually do a lot of microbiome um, work with the eighth graders in ecosystems. And I love the language you're using because you have your pioneer species and then you sort of, you have this climax community, this sort of core group of species that carry the ecosystem into succession where the ecosystem is sustainable. And that is really interesting. And so we have that, those pioneers, I think there are just three of us left from like the wow. original five years. And one's retiring, so there'll be just two of us from the first five years. Um, and pioneer species aren't necessarily the ones that sustain, but they are sort of like, you know, they're important in the system. But it's the sustainers, and I think what's happened is sometimes we've hired really powerful administrators who aren't empowering teacher leaders and we their personalities are so powerful and i think we the pioneer teachers we've kind of just held on to our leadership roles but we aren't doing a good enough job of empowering those new young teachers who will take the school into the next 20 years mm. so yeah. it's a really it's actually a critical time i think right now in the next because there are the, there are two of us, who, there are three of us right now, and we're all going to be gone in the next five years. Wow. And so that is it's a really good question. Yeah, just like the constant, you know, pouring into people. And, and uh, Peter Drucker, who is kind of the king of like executive management, he said, the key, and this is what you just said, Shannon, the key to successful leadership is turning your followers into leaders. Yeah. Right? It's, it's not about creating more followers. It's not about hiring more people. It's about identifying and uh, developing more leaders and, uh, you know, giving them opportunities to grow within your, the organization and take all the learning from this, from these uh, pioneers and sustain it and uh, keep it going. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Joan, uh, you know, she's, she's, uh, Joan school's in their first year, but this is her third or fourth charter school that she's opened, right? So, so she's been a pioneer of a few, uh, but that's an amazing just, you know, thing to really think about. Hey, Joan, like, you know, Shannon's talking about even having a couple people there for more than a decade. I mean, what, a, you know, it's a really strong organization to have that, you know, sustainability. You uh, being in your first year at this new school, I mean, what's, what does that feel like to, you know, identify leaders and, and grow them? Well, I, I think that this, well, I know that this time around, I'm much more proactive much earlier in trying to find teacher leaders within the building that can take on some uh, different roles and responsibilities. Mm. The first one I opened, I was like, yeah, it's all on my shoulders. No, it's not. If you, if you go down the road too far that way, it, it falls apart very quickly. Um, and it was funny because earlier today, I had that Tom Miller and, uh, voice in the back of my head. What is the most important thing you can do right now? <laughs> and certainly wasn't all of the things that can waylay us from doing what we should be doing, which is being in classrooms and giving teachers feedback so that you're identifying those potential teacher leaders. Um, and so, you know, with the NC Access grant, you know, part of that was identifying very early for me people who could be Keenan Fellows mm. um, and, and getting them involved. So it really, I had to take a hard look very quickly on who were those people that were going to rise up. And unfortunately, being, um, being a brand new school, I've had to be out of the building more than I wanted to be to attend some mandatory meetings. So it was critical that I had people who could be the glue and hold things together in my absence. And it's, you know, it's nice to know that they can do that. Um, oh, yeah. You know, so yeah. Shannon, I'm sorry. It's Shannon. What school are you at? Uh, Bonnie Cone Classical. Okay. And where are you? Huntersville. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. That's okay. 
So, so for me, I think having that this is my third go round, if you will, I've learned a few things along the way and I'm, I'm promised myself I wasn't going to make some of the same mistakes. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, so really the key to creating a healthy organization is, is, you know, Katie and I have been using this term lately is creating a non-principal dependent school. Mm. Right. Yeah. Because it can't be completely dependent upon the principal making every decision. You will die of, of uh, you know, decision fatigue and the organizations, it'll be good, but it won't be great because it's always going to be one person's uh, decision making. But the goal is to uh, teach and uh, develop. And so that's what uh, Peter Drucker said. He said no executive ever suffered because they had too many leaders in the organization. Right. But yet I have really found that building the capacity of others is a common uh, practice only in the most successful organizations. I don't, it's not, it's not, you know, common when you see an organization struggling, it's usually because they have one or two leaders that they can uh, depend on. So, so John talks about these five steps, right? So I'm going to go quickly through these five steps and we'll talk more about this through the you know, teacher leader uh, program and, and, and I can share some resources with you if you're not in it. But um, so step one is I do it and you watch me, right? This is a modeling uh, technique, right? So, but to be very sure that you start from the beginning and I'll talk a little bit more about what I mean, how I've messed this up in the past. So step one is I do it and you watch me, right? I think I want to, hopefully you guys can see my screen. Okay, so I do it and you watch me. Now, step two is we do it together. And this is more of a mentoring. So I move from modeling to mentoring. And so you're going to really explain the how and why of each step that you're going through the process. So I do it and you watch me. And then the second time we do it is we do it together. Now, step three is you do it and I'm going to coach you, right? I'm going to coach you through it. You're in charge of it. You've got your hands on it. And I think about this. I always go back to when I was a kid. My dad is a farmer. And so, you know, every weekend I would be there on the farm and we'd be either laying brick or doing whatever else. And he would do like 90% of the work. Uh, right. So I was, I want to go back to him and say, Hey dad, if you'd have known this process, maybe I would have learned how to do something. But all right. So, but step three is you do it and I coach you. So you're, you're in charge of the physical tools. I don't take them out of your hands. I don't, you know, diminish you, but I coach you through the process. And I'm asking you uh, questions, right? I'm assisting you and really helping you through the steps and asking you questions as you go. Now, so the first three steps are I do it and you watch me. Step two is we do it together. And three is you do it and I coach you. So just think if there's something in your daily routine that you do every day or you do once a week, you can handpick somebody and say, okay, this week you're going to watch me do it. Next week, we're going to do it together. And then the third week, you're going to do it right now. You don't tell them all the steps ahead of time. But as they wean through the process, then you get them there. Now, step four is they get to do it alone. Right. And this is the motivation part. It's, it's critical that you stay with them until they feel like they've got it right. Because, you, you know, you want to teach them and work with them until they're getting it right. Uh, you know, to the best of their capacity and a good percentage is if they can do it as 80% as well as you can, then let it go, right? That's, that's what you're looking for, 80% because you can't do everything 100%. Uh, you don't have enough time in a day. And then step five is that person 
will now go teach someone else. So now you're multiplying leadership. And this is the most exciting part because now, as you know, Joan was, you know, talking about now, I, you know, I have a voice in the school. I'm starting to teach people how to be the voice, how to make decisions while I'm not in the building. And then ultimately I'm going to teach them how to teach someone else how to do that. Now we have three layers of uh, capacity now to be able to do that. And that's what, as you know, Shannon was talking about the pioneer in the ecosystem, that's all part of that process is you're constantly evolving and growing more leaders uh, who can, you know, who can take those um, really important tasks or, you know, important and not urgent tasks and important and urgent tasks off your, off your plate. Now, one particular area where I want to share where I failed in these five steps is step one, okay, in the modeling step. And here's where I went wrong is because I forgot about the five or 10 years that I may have had in intellectual property, right? Intellectual development. Like that, you know, person that I'm modeling it for didn't fail as many times as I did to get here, wherever here is for me. So you have to make sure that as you're going through step one and step two, that you're telling them about how you try different things and why they failed or where they can find information uh, that's a critical part because here's what has happened. If you don't do that, if you don't spend the time to educate them and, and help them understand the why behind everything, and they skip a step or they mess up or they're off track, you may like take it away from them, right? Oh, it's okay. I'll just do it, right? Or I messed up here and I'll just do it. It'll just be faster if I do it. But that's diminishing the process and it's, uh, you know, taking away uh, power of that person. Uh, so just a really important step that I have messed up so many times that, you know, especially when Jeff was with me, I'd have him on a task and I'd, and I, and then he'd be lost. And I was like, Oh, I didn't check in and tell you, I found this spreadsheet here, right. Where you have to go through this, you know, a portal to find the information. And he would spend countless hours looking for something when um, I could have solved it in a couple of minutes. Right. So just be sure that, uh, when you're modeling, you model from from the beginning, right? Not from like 10 years of experience of where of where you are. Any thoughts or questions? Anybody have that experience themselves messing up? So just be sure that you're not going to falsely, falsely like question their competence or their dedication if it doesn't come up as good as you <laughs> that's a that's a that's an important part right you don't want to um you don't want to uh, diminish their effort as it first comes on we've got we got some background noise i'm gonna mute some folks here all right perfect um okay so that's that's really really important. You'll be able to unmute your side um, if you've got a, uh, a a question to hop into. So all right. So we've talked about why why we empower and one easy way to to empower people. The second one is Maxwell talks about it's a ten eighty ten right. So um, this is the first ten percent of what you're going to do is about communicating the objective, right? Asking questions, helping them plan, uh, you know, offer encouragement, um, really help them and release them to take ownership, right? So this is, you've got an idea, thought in your head, you are basically planning the vision, you are, you are making sure that they understand, um, you know, the, 
the, the why behind, right? The why and the what is it that we're going to have on the end. That's it, right? The why and the what. You don't care about how they get there. That's none of your business anymore, right? You are just painting the picture with them inside of it. Now, the next 80% is their work, okay? The next 80% is their work. They're actually the ones who are doing it. And depending upon their level of empowerment that you have given them, and I'll talk a little bit more about level of empowerment, uh, you may have some certain uh, check-ins, right? So, so you just say, hey, the next 80% of the project is yours. Uh, here's what I want. Now, if you have a low level of empowerment, you might say, um, hey, check into these things and report back to me, and then I'll tell you what to do. Okay, that's a very low level of of empowerment it's almost no like empowerment at all it's just kind of having like a you know like a go-getter right now the second level is look into it and you report to me the alternatives and the pros and cons right so now i'm starting to really develop someone's capacity i'm really starting to understand their ability to think and solve the problems and bring solutions okay now level three is look into it let me know what you intend to do but don't do it unless I say yes, <laughs> right? So again, that's a, that's a level of empowerment. So, you're, so in that 80%, you're creating a level of empowerment for each different person you empower, right? Each uh, person that you, that you delegate to. So there's you know, different levels. You can't be at just one level because that's not empowerment. That's just micromanagement, right? If so, so if you're in those first three levels with someone, this is when you're starting to start to give them a little bit of trust and to let them go to the next level. Now, the, the next three levels, level four, five, and six, and I'll take a picture of this and I'll email it out. It's, it's in John's new book, The Leader's Greatest Return on page 118, if you happen to have it. But I'll take a picture and I'll make sure you guys all get this in the email. Um, so level four is look into it. Let me know what you intend to do and go ahead and do it unless I say no, right? So this is, this is the other one was, you have to get my permission. This one is, oh my gosh, I see you're about to jump off of the cliff and stop doing it, right? Because you're, you're totally taking us in the wrong direction, right? Big difference between that, okay? So one is when I say yes to it, the other one is as soon as I say no, stop. Level five is take action and let me know what you did. And level six is uh, take action and no further contact required, right? That's the most empowerment is that you just say, hey, you're fully responsible for this. Go for it. That means, you know, you just, they just know what they have to do and, and they carry it out, okay? So the six levels are, uh, the lowest level is uh, I'll tell you what to do. <laughs> the second level is tell me what you think would uh, be the best option. The third is, what do you think you should do and then wait for my yes? And then the other one is, what do you think you should do and wait for my no? And then the last two is, tell me what you did. And the last one, uh, the very, very last one is, you've got this task, go ahead and move forward with it. And I said that quick, uh, but, I'll, but I'll make sure that I type that back out to you guys and um, give you that, but that's in John's latest book. So those are two strategies for empowerment. One was that the John's five-step process that's up on your screen, if you're looking, and the other one was the 10-80-10, right? So the first 10% is I paint the picture. The next 80% is they're, you know, doing the work. Now, the last 10% is John will come back on top, and he'll, if he can add value to it, he will, right? But the most important part, he says, of this last 10% is, one, I'm going to give them recognition, okay, to them and their team. 
And two is I'm going to ask questions because I want to ask them, what did you learn from the experience, right? What would you do differently? How was your experience, right? You, he's, he's taking the time to learn and really develop that a person so they become a more reflective, uh, you know, leader as he, as he is empowering them more and more. So any thoughts or questions on those two? Anything that you've tried that has worked or any step that you feel like, oh, I don't know if this will work for me, Tom. You should have the ability to empower or to unmute yourself if you need to. It's a lot of steps. And I think that's what scares people off. <laughs> <laughs> right. But you only have to start with the first step, right? Right. And, and the first step is really choosing the right people. I mean, if you're going to empower someone, you want to make sure that you first understand that nothing worthwhile has ever been accomplished alone. Nothing, right? And if you want to go far, you got to build a team. If, if you want to go fast, you can do it alone. But, you, but you, you know, Joan just said, you're going to weigh yourself out. It's too hard. It's too hard to keep going by yourself, right? You need you need to choose the right people. That's a, that's a key part of it. Really understanding what tasks you can empower people, what strengths that they have. Um, and that means you got to take the time and get to know them and you got to observe them, right? So that first step is just saying, here are the people that I can start to trust to empower, right? Because, and then, and then it's about that 10-80-10 model, like start communicating the mission, the communication part, like how you want things done, right? How you want them to look at the end. And then you take them through these five steps about how you can get them there, right? You model, you mentor, you monitor, you motivate, and then you multiply. But you know, going back to that initial list, if it's not clear in your head, it's unkind to ask people to do it. <laughs> <laughs> right? To be unclear is to be unkind. So you got to get clarity on who you can empower and what you can empower them to do. And you got to get very clear on what's the end result that you want to see. And no, it's not going to be as good as you do it. But neither are all the initiatives going to be as good if you are fully responsible in, in actually required to do them all. You're obviously responsible for all, if you're a principal on the call, right? And if you're a, a teacher, you're responsible for your classroom. But when it comes to empowerment, like it's about giving power away. So choosing the right leaders based upon their character, based upon their level of influence, based upon their attitude, their people skills, uh, proven track record. <clears throat> and in fact, we've got a um, checklist, I think. Don't, don't uh, we, Katie? We have a checklist about are you choosing the right people? That would probably be something I'll send back out too. That'll be a really yeah. good list mm -hmm. of um, here are the things that I can utilize to, to check. Am I empowering the right people? Am I choosing the right uh, people around me, um, right? You, you know, based upon their attitude and their character and their confidence in themselves, their own self discipline? their communication skills, right? And just wanting things to be better. Tom, you said um, it might not be as good as you can do it, but you know what? It might be better than you can do it. Exactly. And that's, that's what you have to get over, right? You have to get over the fact that some, some people are, will do it better than you. They will do it. And, and that whole, that's a whole other point, you know, Joan, about not everybody surrounds themselves with A-level people because they're intimidated by 
surrounding themselves with really high performing people. And, and the most, you know, the most successful organizations that I've seen or I've been a part of, they're constantly looking for a level people. I mean, that's all they want. And, um, which is one of the, you know, one of the points here in this, in this lesson is that, um, if you're a nine in leadership, if you're a nine in influence, right, they're not going to follow sixes. So you want to grow your organization with high level people. You know, when I say nine, I mean a nine out of 10, right? So, so the only reason that a nine would be following a six is if maybe they're friends. It's maybe about it, right? So you really need to make sure you're focusing on identifying leaders, not only in your organization, but outside, because you're constantly recruiting. And you teacher leaders in this, you know, teacher leader consortium, you've been chosen. <laughs> That's why you're here. That's why you're on this call. If you're part of the teacher leader consortium, this is why you've been chosen. Because uh, Katie and I laughed about it. Um, the last three or the last two uh, cohorts that we started, we asked them, why are they here? And a lot of them don't know. So if you're a, if you're a building level leader on this call, you've got to tell people, what it is they bring to the organization. Why are they here, right? Why are you investing in them? And if you're at the table and you're not sure why, you need to ask someone, why did you invite me, right? And really start to, you know, as you know, uh, Jones just said, really start to identify my strengths and, and be clear. And if you took the DISC uh, personality profile, your strengths are there. They're on page 17. Um, so if you have it, open it up right now. It tells you exactly what your strengths and leadership are, and that's where you should focus uh, your time. And then, and then, you know, leaders of the building and leaders of the team start to empower people based upon their strengths, right? And release them from their weaknesses. For God's sakes, stop asking them to do things that they're not good at, because uh, that just creates a whole, a whole bigger problem. Tom, I think one of the things that's really hard for leaders is administrators, they, they hear what you're saying, like, oh, I've got to empower my teachers. And what they want to do is empower all of the teachers. Mm. And you have this like sort of um, broad, broadly cast democracy where like nothing really gets done because everyone's being nice. Yeah. Does, does that make sense? As opposed to like more of a meritocracy where you've empowered those leaders who are really going to drive work and from multiple angles and pull on those A-level people who might even make that better, like yeah. whatever the leader's trying to do. I love it. Yeah, that's a really great question, Shannon. And um, here's the mistake that we make as a organizational or like a building level leader is we focus the majority of our time on the, on the wrong end of the spectrum. We should be focusing 80% of our time with our top 20% people. And instead, we, we uh, flip-flop it. We spend 80% of our time with our bottom 20%. And what we need to do is we need to, to, to grow the top 20% so they can grow the next 20%. It, that is like, I think the thing that's probably the most important thing that gets mm -hmm. lost is mm -hmm. like, even with PD, the folks that always get sent to conferences, I'm, it, I feel like our strongest leaders haven't been sent anywhere for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. the, and then those people keep bringing things back, but then they don't really understand why it would be a great thing to do it. Yeah, <laughs> so or, or how to do it, right? Or how to, right, or how yeah. to implement, right? There's no, there's no plan around it. No, right. it's a, it's a, listen, education probably um, uh, hits the uh, Peter oh. principle more than anybody. And that's that everybody gets promoted into a, a spot of incompetence. 
And, right. and, and, and that's part of it, right? Because there's, there's some sort of like equalness, you know, to it. Well, such and such has never been teacher of the year or, you know, such and such hasn't had a chance to go to the training. We're going to let them go this year when it really needs to be strategic and say, let's grow these top 20%. Uh, because if I don't grow them, someone else will and they'll steal them from me. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so I need to make sure that I really focus my, my time and effort and then teach them how to do those next things. And another thing you said, and if you've read Todd uh, Whitaker's book, um, What Great Principals Do Differently, I think it was that one or it could have been one of his uh, teacher leader books. He said that as a principal um, or, you know, whatever level leader you are, you have to pill those backbones, stop volunteering for things. Like I'm going to announce something at the staff meeting today. Don't raise your hand for it because I have bigger things for you. And that's where some of our backbones get so overwhelmed because they just put their hand up for everything and the rest of the people don't volunteer for it because they know that, you know, such and such is going to get it. And so as a principal to communicate that, right, or the, or the, the, you know, the coach or whoever it is from this, you know, level of leadership that you're in is to identify the people about, hey, I've got, I want you on this, you know, um, you know team or committee because you're great at X, Y, Z. And so please don't bother, you know, I want you to start to empower and teach other people how to do, you know, um, girls, girls run across the world, right? Or, or like the PTA piece, or, um, you know, you know, just maybe they run some things and, and some things just need to let go. Like they, you as a leader need to build succession plannings for yourself. Everybody in your organization should be working themselves out of a job, right? So they can grow, but they have to grow the people under them so they can mm -hmm. rise up. Awesome. Really great conversation. Anybody else want to add into the empowerment piece? So what's one, what's one call to action that you could take out of this, whether you're a teacher on the call or a building level administrator on the call or a coach or, you know, whatever, what's, what's one call to action. If you don't want to share, you can type it into the box or um, you should be able to unmute yourself or at least at minimum, write it down. <laughs> what's your one call to action? So I'll read you what I wrote here to myself. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So as an organizational leader, your job is already filled with interruptions and fires and paperwork. Doing less meaningless work so you can focus on the most important things is not laziness. <laughs> doing less meaningless work so you can focus on the most important things is not laziness. So don't sacrifice production for your ego. And by you uh, teaching other members of your organization to maintain your voice during those challenging periods, you'll be able to focus your time working on the, on the business, right? On the school business, on the school growth business, instead of constantly being in the business, right? That's what we, you know, you're in the business, you're in the weeds. Well, get out of the weeds and grow other people so they can handle some of those fires. They're perfectly capable. Otherwise, why did you hire them? So not only will your pro professional life start to feel more successful and liberating, but your personal life is also going to improve and you'll have more time to fill your heart and fill your calendar with family and friends and recreational activities. Right? It's not about doing it all. It's about doing things through people. So I know for me, um, 
in my current role, I'm, I'm an interim uh, principal of a charter school and, and in, you know, the owner of this uh, company. It's about, it's about having conversations with people and, and making sure they know what their gift zones are and then putting them in a situation where they can be and feel more successful, whatever it may be. Um, but to really help the organization get to the next level. Because it, it keeps resonating with me when my mentor said to me one time, he's like, how dare you take away the right of someone else to help you fulfill your goals and dreams? It's selfish. It's really selfish. So with that in mind, any call to action to, to share? Katie, you got something? I'm going to put you on the spot. You like to do that. Put me on the spot. I, I'm just thinking about when, you know, we talk about this all the time, you and I, about who, what I could delegate out to our virtual assistants. And half the time I'm like, ah, it's just easier for me to do it myself. Mm. <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, so then I, you know, but that's on my to-do list is like, what can I start giving them to, to do and coach them through so then they can, um, because they're much better at creating visual visuals than I am and creating flyers. So I need to leverage their skill set. Uh, so that's a takeaway for me is to, it, you know, is to, to create a, an action step to make that happen sooner than later. Yeah. I think yeah. there's, gotcha. Oh, I think there's just a difference in the language you're using. It's just semantics, but delegating out is what I feel like is happening to me all the time, but it's not meaningful. I'm not feeling empowered. Leveraging someone's strengths is language that then makes me feel like I'm useful <laughs> and a part yeah. of, of elevating whatever work is happening. So I guess the delegating out was where I was getting hung up and I appreciate you saying leveraging strengths. Yeah, no, I, no, I love that. <laughs> it makes me think if, if anybody's a Seinfeld fan, I wrote a blog about this one time about uh, when, you know, uh, George came to the apartment and Elaine was there and uh, Elaine was talking to uh, Jerry on the phone and uh, Jerry was upset, you could tell. And he's like, oh my gosh, you know, George is gonna know. So George was upset because Elaine was getting the mail. And uh, Jerry talked to me, said, George, I have a much, much more important job for you. It's, I need you to come by twice a day and flush the toilets, George. You have to exercise the gaskets. And to watch George's, you know, chest get really high because he felt proud of this work because it was so important. It's like, if you don't exercise the gaskets, the whole, you know, he just made up this, uh, this story. And that's not what we want to happen to you, Shannon. But it's that communication from the leader about what you're doing is so important. Some, sometimes you know, folks just don't know how important the work that is. And that's, that's the job of the leader to uh, communicate. We couldn't be here without you. So that's why I said a really important step that John talks about at 1080.10 is on the back end 10 is that you give credit for everything good that happened. And then you take the blame for anything that bad happened. That, that is a big difference, right? You give credit to every positive and anything that went wrong is your fault. Because that's the truth. Everything that did go wrong is your fault as the leader, right? Whoever was the, the main person. Um, so yeah, so words matter and how you treat it matters. And, and especially how I feel being either delegated or you know, empowered to is also a very, very critical uh, you know, difference. Going back to the first part of the call, we talked about sometimes leaders get so backed up that they hand things over with like a very short deadline 
And then I feel like kind of trashy. I was like, well, you know, I'm not going to, you know, like an emergency on your part doesn't constitute an emergency on my part, right? So we have to be very conscious of that no matter what level of leadership we're in. Great points, Katie and uh, Shannon. Absolutely. Anybody just else? That, yeah, go for it. I was going to just dig in on something else you just said. In my team, which I think is really high functioning, it, um, we do an assessment, anything that has to be done, like who would be most efficient and what would their scale of like, work versus joy be mm. so if it's like oh this is really work not joy but i'm efficient we really try and figure out is it fair to ask them to do that but if it's like they're highly efficient and it brings them joy then those like delegating that way and i think it's important to know yourselves i mean there's certain people who just like doing yeah tasks that are rote because it gives them a mental break in the day i love it yeah so. work work versus joy yeah yeah, I mean, so in that, again, going back to that disc uh, personality profile that all the teachers go through, like that's a big part of it. You can stay on that page 17, I'm pretty sure it's page 17. If you can stay 95% of your day in those two or three strength zones that that uh, report identified for you, you're going to feel much better about your work, right? It's not going to feel like work because you're, you know, you're operating in, in what fills your heart and what, you know, fills your gifts. And, um, you know, that's why most organizations lose good uh, people is that they don't use them effectively. <clears throat> they just use them. All right. Well, we've gone almost an hour now. Hopefully somebody learned something. <laughs> and uh, excuse me one sec. I lost my voice. So if you're part of the Teacher Leader Consortium, we're looking forward to seeing you guys uh, either this Thursday at Pine Lake or the Thursday after at Hillsborough. If you're an alumni of the Teacher Leader Consortium, you can come. You can still come to any of them and you can just come for the um, you know, best practice tour or you can come and have lunch with us and, or you know, stay today, whatever you want. So you're always welcome to participate in all those pieces. Um, your call to action you know, should be you know, something in those steps, right? Either identifying people, right? Or identifying things that could be uh, delegated and or empowered uh, to others. And one thing that, you know, Katie and I take some teams through is um, she just did it with a, with an administrative team. It's called the 15 minute miracle. And it's a tool that we have and it just takes you through, you just, you know, document 15 minutes of your day, like all the way through your work day. And you do it for five days in a row and you start to identify what, vortexes am i going down like what's taking me away from my key responsibilities and then and then we help you uh, create a plan uh from there so if you want a copy of our 15 minute miracle i think it's on our website but if not you can email me at tom at lbleaders.com and i'm happy to to send it to you and all the instructions are there uh but that's a great way as you start to tweeze away you know as you find things on that 15 minute miracle now i have a list of things where i can start to teach and empower other people right? Because there's things that, you know, I shouldn't be doing. And that's, you know, Peter Drucker says every day at the end of your day, you should look at everything that you did and take one thing from what was on your list that you should never do again, right? One thing that either should be eliminated from your repertoire or immediately delegated or empowered to someone else. So that's a great challenge. Go through our 15 minute miracle um, really identify where you're spending your time and then start to build your list off there. Again, you can email me at tom at lbleaders.com or go to our website, lbleaders.com. 
and it's there uh, for you in the, in the free resources. So thanks again, everybody, for uh, empowerment. Uh, Katie, on uh, behalf of my uh, teaching and uh, business partner, uh, Katie, uh, we look forward to seeing you guys, and thanks for being part of our school leadership community. Have a wonderful day, everyone.